You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. We're in this series um, that we've titled The Cross, and uh, the, the thrust of it has been to, to really get the focus on what the cross's meaning is all about. Uh, last week I started, I launched with a, a sermon that was uh, surrounded or from the basis of Jesus' word to his disciples where he says, if you want to follow me, you, you need to take up your cross. You need to take up your cross. And if you want to become my disciple, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And the whole, the whole thrust behind that was, uh, let's not confuse the symbol of the cross with the message of the cross. And uh, the, the message of the cross is life-changing, and the message never changes. Symbols can get us stuck, and they can, they can make us lose focus on what's important. And, and the, the important thing is, is Jesus and Jesus plus nothing, and how he changes our lives and our hearts. So I'm going to move forward in, this week, but I want to start out uh, with a, a, a Spanish proverb, okay? And in Spanish, I would, I'll, I'll say it, but uh, in English, it's, it, it translates like this. Tell me what you brag about, and I'll tell you what you lack. Dime en que te marereas y te digo que te falta. Hmm? Translate that. So have you ever found yourself talking to someone and then they take out their phone and their pictures on their phone of their family and you think to yourself, you don't say it out loud, oh no, it's one of those, right? I, I'm actually one of those. <laughs> we, were at a, we were at a charity uh, uh, fundraiser uh, recently and I sat at this table and uh, one of the persons at the table was talking about their kids and their grandkids, and I pulled out my phone, and my wife looked at me like, put that phone away. You know, you, you, you probably notice that it's okay when you do that, but it's annoying when someone else brags about themselves, or they brag about their families, or they brag about all kinds of things, and we know them. Uh, the one-uppers in our lives, they always have something bigger, something better, right? In fact, according to iHeartIntelligence.com, here are the eight most annoying and pointless things that people brag about. These are things that drive you crazy, right? Uh, when people brag about their parenting or their kids or their grandchildren, how many of you have gotten annoyed when someone goes on and on and on about Stephen and Stephen. And... You know what's the crazy thing? I fit into a lot of these categories. I must be pretty annoying. So they're parenting. You know, they're accolades in parenting when you go on and on. How about uh, family members and what they've achieved? Their achievements, right? Well, my daughter... She was a cheerleader for four years in a row at Seminole High School. And my son, and blah, 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 okay? Annoying and pointless, it says, when you brag about that. 
How about when you brag about your ex-partner's failures? <laughs> well, my ex. <laughs> I know you've never done that, but second service, they do it all the time. How about when people talk about work? All the time they talk about work. They talk about work. Workaholism. You know, they, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. They, they bring up their work and they talk about work and they talk about their bosses and they talk about people that are working with them. I know people like that. How about intimate partners? You guys got real quiet here. How about those people that talk about intimacy and you're like, that is like way too much. That's T-M-I. I don't need to know that. And all you church people are like, well, I never heard that. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. How about, how about when your spouse or your partner says, they start talking about you, you're like, just stop. Stop. All right. Intimate partners. How about accolades in sports? Is, is, has someone been out of school for 10 or 20 years and you're still talking about high school and what you accomplished, <laughs> right? You're still talking about the state championship in football. You're still, how many of you are still talking about Little League, <laughs> right? Well, when I was in Little League, stop it. It's annoying. Quit bragging about Little League, right? How about all the good things that you do, right? Well, I'm the president of the PTA, Oh, I'm this, and I'm not, by the way, just so you guys know, I'm not. All the good things that we do. Oh, you know, I did this at church, and I do this, and I do this, and I did the lawn, and I do this. All right. Praise God. Quit bragging about it, homeboy. <laughs> uh, we saved the best for last, right? The eighth most annoying and pointless thing that people brag about, personal information that's posted on social media. When you use Facebook for every detail of your life, we don't want to know. <laughs> How many of you have done it? <laughs> right? You know, I, I, uh, I know that, again, I'm going to say this, I know that you in this service don't do any of these annoying bragging things. <laughs> But the Kearney service, they really struggle with it. So let's pray. <laughs> let's pray for those in Kearney that, that struggle. And I'll tell them it's first service that struggle. You know, as, as we continue on, on the cross series, uh, we're going to read a passage from the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he's going to be applying the same uh, mindset uh, that we're talking about, about people bragging and people boasting uh, uh, about uh, things that they've accomplished and accolades. And, and what Paul says in his uh, narrative uh, really helps us to get two things that are vital to your life. Okay? And this is what the cross gives us. The first thing is perspective. Life is about perspective. Life is about what you uh, perceive is going on around you. And if you have the wrong perspective, if you have human or worldly or fleshly perspective, you'll never get the perspective of God. The cross gives us a perspective of God, okay? That's vital to us. The second thing that Paul shows us, and, and, and we're, we need to glean this, is attitude. 
How do we get the right attitude for the things that we face in our lives? How, we get it by the right perspective, amen? We get it by looking at things through the lens of the cross. And, and, and Paul is at war. He's at war with religious leaders. They were called the super apostles that really weren't apostles. And, and they were emphatic about people having to do more and more and more, adding to the finished work of Jesus. It was Jesus plus circumcision. It was Jesus plus keeping the Sabbath. It was Jesus plus tithing. It was Jesus plus this. It was Jesus plus that. And Paul says, it's G- the gospel is simple. It's Jesus plus nothing is everything. And so he fights for that. He said, until you realize that it's Jesus on the cross and he accomplished everything, you will have the wrong perspective. You will have the wrong attitude in your life. And, and here's the thing. Paul had written, okay, he, let's just put it in today's perspective. Paul wrote 13, at least 13 of the books that we read in the New Testament, Paul did more ministry. He took the gospel more places than any other uh, disciple, any other apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did more than anybody. If, he, if anyone had the right to brag, it would have been the apostle Paul. And have you noticed that the people that usually have the right to brag don't? The people that have the right perspective about, the, about God and, and, and the cross and God things, they usually don't brag about very much because they don't have to. And they've got this attitude, this attitude of humility, this attitude of servanthood, and that's exactly what Paul had. So our prayer is, is that as we, as we look at the cross, as we look at the message of the cross, as we take up our cross and follow Jesus, that we, in modern day, will get the right perspective of what's going on around us, that we will have the right attitude, an attitude of humility, and that's what the cross brings to our life. Um, as Paul had these haters, and, and how many of you know that we have haters in, in life? It doesn't matter. The only way that you will not have haters is when you are, uh, when you are a person that goes with the flow and you go with everything, but then you, know, you don't have a backbone and stand for anything. Amen? Once you stand for one thing, you are going to have some opposition. And so Paul stood for grace Paul stood for Jesus plus nothing. Paul stood for the cross. And he says this to his haters. He said, may I never boast except in one thing, in the the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And in this statement, and better yet, in this declaration, Paul gives us two keys to help us uh, with perspective and attitude. And, and here's what the, the first thing that I want us to grab a hold of, okay? The first thing is the cross puts everything in life into proper perspective. The cross is more than a symbol because the cross is actually a lens. The cross and the message of the cross is a lens that you look through in everything that you're facing in life. If you have a, a lack of, uh, of uh, self-esteem, if you look through the cross, Jesus says, you're worthy and you're worth it. If you have an arrogant spirit, then you look through the cross and you see that he was God in the flesh and yet he became a man and he came, he came off of his throne and died 
on the cross, and it humbles us. Everything that we look at through the lens of the cross will change our perspective in life. And you won't get life until you get the cross. You will not get it until you get the cross. Life isn't about us. It's about God. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us talent. He gives us our gifting. And we're either going to use this life, we're going to use this breath, we're going to use this gifting and talents as a platform for the glory of God, or we're going to use it as a platform for our glory, and we were never made and created for our own glory. We were created for the glory of the Almighty. And that's why Jesus came to this earth, and he said, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. And he teaches us something that's so important. He teaches us that when we bring glory to the Father, we get things in the right perspective. See, there's a big lie. And we continually face this lie in our lives. And the lie is that life is all about you. It's about your glory. That's a big lie. It's about your follows. Social media feeds this lie if you let it. Social media is not a bad thing, but social media can feed something that that can take us away from God being glorified. It's all about your glory. It's all about your follows. It's all about your likes. It's about how many friends you amass on Facebook or or, uh, um, Instagram. You deserve the glory. You deserve the accolades. You deserve the likes. You deserve the follows. You deserve the friends. And if you think about it, every time you put a picture, it strokes your ego. Every time you put something on social media, it has the potential to stroke your ego. In fact, I was talking to someone uh, not too long ago. He came to visit us, and, and he's a, uh, got an art page on, on social media. He's a great, great guy. And I said, how do you leverage social media for that, for for your for your work and he said well I just put things up there and it's wonderful I said how do you do it when you don't get any likes he said it kills me how, how do you do it when you get you know and then and then they change it right so it used to be thumbs up likes now they have the hearts right love I love it I don't just like it I love it so when you get a like you're like ah they just liked it they don't they don't love it And it all feeds, it all has the potential to feed our ego. You deserve the friends. You deserve the likes. And we all have this temptation. And I'm not going to be lying to you if I said that these accolades and, 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 uh, and, and the likes and this doesn't pull each one of us. It pulls me as well. But this has always been the devil's big lie and his tactics don't change. To Adam and Eve, he said, you can become like who? Like God. You can become like God. You should become like God. You deserve your own glory. And there are two, as I I think about this, there are two subtle enemies of the cross that we need to be careful embracing. And they're not bad in themselves. They're not bad in themselves, but I want you to think about how they can pull us away from the achievement of of Jesus into our own achievements. And the first one is academics. Academics can pull you away from the achievements of Jesus into what you can achieve yourself. The second thing is religion. 
religion and, and, and works religion where you do more and you do more. And if you do enough, then God's going to receive you instead of the cross paying the full price for what needed to be paid at Calvary when Jesus went to the cross for each one of us. Amen? Outwardly, they look good. And the reason that they are subtle enemies is because they can feed our eagles. Outwardly, they look good. But inwardly, they can make us prideful. In other words, if you have a PhD, you're a, you're a little bit better than someone with a master's degree. If you've got a master's degree, you're a little bit better than someone with a bachelor's degree. If you're a bachelor's degree, you're a little bit better than the, someone with an associate's degree. If you have an associate's degree, you're a little bit better than someone that has a high school diploma. You see, it can feed our... Not, we know, okay, so don't get caught up in it, but think about what can happen to us if education becomes our only goal in life, right? They're not bad in themselves, but they can be dangerous. And they're dangerous because they have the ability to lead us to depend on our own abilities and our own self-efforts. Both of them can become an enemy of the cross. You see, the cross, the cross will point us to the realization that we can't and that's why God did. Amen? We can't, and that's why God did. Our, our perspective, our own perspective says that you're smart enough. I'm religious enough. Uh, I remember having a conversation with my dad. I, I thought about this whenever we were going through putting this message together. Right when I uh, gave my life to Christ and became a follower of Jesus, uh, I had this conversation with, with, my, with my dad, and he said to me, he said, people are asking what's going on with you because of this complete change in your life. Uh, you've changed your life. And so I, I, I told them, well, he's become a born-again Christian. And because uh, I came, out of, a, I, I came uh, out of a circle that there were no uh, born-again Christians that were in that circle, there, there were no people following God they, it was foreign to them. So they said, well, what is a born-again Christian? And so my dad answered them like this. Well, when you're a born-again Christian, you, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't cuss. And that's what he does. He doesn't do all that. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, that's not a born-again Christian. <laughs> I know a lot of born-again Christians, they drink, they cuss. <laughs> you're born again because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the cross perspective changes everything. Um, you see, God's perspective is that through the cross, everything else in life will make sense. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said this, and, and this is, is going to really help us. He said, since God in his wisdom, this is God's wisdom, okay, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. We're not smart enough. Some, tell someone, we're not smart enough. He used our foolish preaching, he's talking about himself, preaching the cross, to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews, actually the, the literal there, it's a stumbling block to the Jews who ask, from, uh, ask uh, for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, when we preach the cross, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Religion, which is made up of self-effort in keeping rules and regulations, at best will make us prideful, at worst will condemn us. 
when you try to keep the law, when you try to keep the commandments at best, when you keep them, it'll make you prideful. But when you don't, it'll make you feel miserable. And the reality is none of us can keep the law. That's why Jesus came. I didn't come. Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to what? Fulfill the law. Any religion that negates the cross will only puff you up or make you feel unworthy. Paul went on to write in this same letter, God, God has united you with, with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him, Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from our sin. Where did he do this? On the cross. He made us pure, and he made us holy, and he freed us from our sin on the cross. If you're going to boast in anything, don't boast in what you can do. Boast in what Jesus already did for you. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, if you want to brag, boast only in the Lord. Academics and scholars can lead men and women to attempt to figure out our world in our intellect and in our own philosophies, but there are things that are beyond our understanding and they're beyond our comprehension. And it leads people to look at the world through their own perspective and it usurps and it undermines the perspective of God which tells us that wisdom is only found in Jesus Christ. It tempts us to trust in our own self-efforts. And Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, he pushed back this temptation. Now think about it. Paul could have said, I'm more religious than you. I've done more than you. I've been shipwrecked. He, he talks about it in another place in 2 Corinthians. He said, I can boast about these things, but those things matter nothing to me. He said, if I'm going to boast, he said, I'm going to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us to grab a hold of in this sermon right here. If you're going to boast, boast in what God has done in you and for you through the cross of Jesus Christ. It'll change your perspective in life. It'll change everything. It'll, it'll, it'll prevent you from trying to work your way to heaven. It'll prevent you from trying to think your way to heaven. If I get it right, if I get the formula right, if I get the calculations right, then I'm going to be right with God. The reality is Jesus made you right on the cross. He became our wisdom on the cross. And to religious people, it really makes you stumble because religious people think you have to do more and more and more to be made right with God. In fact, they walk into churches feeling horrible, and sometimes when they go to churches that preach law, they leave feeling worse. When you come to the cross, you leave feeling better. Because Jesus paid it all. And it's not by you trying to uh, figure it out. The cross of Jesus points us to resist the temptation of seeking our own glory. When we get God's perspective, we put things and people in proper order. Now that's important right there. Some of us need to put people in proper order, right? In fact, they're dictating your life. 
How many of you are struggling in your life because of, of, of people that are, that are weighing you down? When you put people in proper order through the lens of the cross, you will look at them differently. You'll know that Jesus died for them, and you know that if he died for them, he's worthy and big enough to take care of them. Amen? Instead of you carrying that around, how about, how about things that you're struggling with? If you put them in perspective of the cross, it'll change the way that you look at them and look at yourself. When we put God first in everything, he gives us grace for everything else. And what I've noticed in my life is that when I put God second, and that's a temptation we all have, we can put our families before God, we can put our work before God, we can put uh, our relationships before God, we can do a lot of things. What I've noticed is when I put God anywhere underneath everyone else, it, it plays havoc in my life. James put it like this. James said, he gives more grace. God gives more grace, more grace. Not works, not what you can do. He gives more grace. He pours more grace into your life. For whatever you're dealing with, more grace and more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud. The proud say, I don't need you, God. I'll take care of this. I can take care of this situation. I can take care of this relationship. I can take care of what I'm going through. But God opposes the proud. But he gives more grace to the humble. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. Through, through what avenue? Through the cross. That's why the message of the cross is so important to us. God will continually pour into the humble, but our pride will always keep him at arm's length. He'll continually pour into you. If you grab a hold of the fact that it's not your resources, it's not your intellect, it's not your works that will make you right with God, it's the cross of Jesus, you will always feel accepted when you come before him. You will always feel significant when you come before God Almighty. You will always feel accepted and loved because of the grace that he's poured Paul made this so evident when he's writing to the Ephesians and he's teaching them how to get saved. And he said this, he says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. This is not from what you can do. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no person can what? Boast so that no person can brag. For we are God's handy, handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, I believe with all my heart that, that, that this at the movies that God prepared it for us. Everything that we accomplished, we gave uh, four uh, $100 gift cards to, to students at, at different schools. I had a conversation with the uh, 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 administrative assistant in Kearney. And, and she said, I, have a, I said, we want these, these uh, gift certificates, this gift card, to go to uh, students, not because of their high intellect, not because of every, they're, they're liked by everybody. I want them to go to someone that has character, that has integrity, that does things, that goes the extra mile for people. She said, we have the perfect person. The person we're going to give this to is a five-year uh, uh, student. 
He had a real tough time. He doesn't have any parents. He's living with a family that are not his parents. And he's worked and worked and worked. He doesn't have a place to go to after he graduates. He don't have a home. And he's going into the military. We're going to give it to him because of all his hard work. You see, I believe that God prepared that card for that person way before he lost his family. God prepared things for us to do, not for our glory, but for his. And that's what the cross does. Everything that we do, when we do it through the, through the lens of the cross, we do it for the glory of God, not for us. He keeps on, he says, for we, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only does iHeartIntelligence.com get annoyed with bragging, heaven gets annoyed with bragging. Let me say something. I say this all the time. If there's bragging in heaven, it becomes hell. If everyone in heaven talks about what they've done, I don't want to be no part of it. When we get to heaven, you know what we're going to brag about? Jesus. Can we applaud him right now? Can we say, Lord, you're worthy? Right? He's worthy. We aren't. You know, uh, at the cross is all about humility. And the second thing I want us to take away is the cross enables us to face a world with a proper attitude. Attitude is everything. Attitude is how you feel or believe about something or someone. And when our attitude is arrogant, it leads us, an arrogant attitude always leads us to bias, to be biased, to be prejudiced. It can lead us to be cliquish, which is exactly what religion did. In fact, when these Judaizers came, you know, these, these people that held on to the law, these, these, these individuals, religious leaders that said it's Jesus plus circumcision, it's Jesus plus the Sabbath, it's Jesus plus tithing, it's Jesus plus uh, all these different laws and, and, and uh, things that you have to, to keep, uh, they would always have a circle around them. And I want you to notice this. This is important. When people get religious, they begin to get cliquish in churches. And they don't just love everybody. They, just, they, they, they go in their own circles, right? And we got the circle of this, of this group, and we got a circle of this group, and we got a circle of this group, right? That's why I always want for you guys to grab a hold of the fact that at the foot of the cross, it's level for everybody. Everyone's accepted at the foot of the cross. Everyone's the same at the foot of the cross. Everyone needs a savior at the foot of the cross, and we are to love everyone that's at the foot of the cross. Peter, Peter got things wrong, and Peter was a great apostle. And he came uh, to Galatia. He came to this place, and Paul had to uh, stand up against them. And here, here's what it says about Peter. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, I'm sorry, he went to Antioch, he's, Paul's saying, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. What did he do? When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers. In other words, he said, I want to mingle with everybody. iHarmony.com. I want to mingle with everybody. He ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. Okay? They were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, 
Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Jesus plus something. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. In other words, when we get things wrong, when our attitude is wrong, others are going to follow. When we get things right, when our attitude is right, others are going to follow. He said even Barnabas, who was called the son of encouragement, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Religion has a negative way of changing our attitude toward the completed work of the cross. Religion has a negative way of changing our attitude into the completed work of the cross. At the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Religion says you need to do more and more and more. How many times, beloved, have you felt bad about yourself and you felt, I'm a horrible person. Do you think that's God? If Jesus came and died for your sins, your complete sins, do you think he wants you to live in condemnation? Or do you think he wants you to live in restoration? In the adequacy of Christ or in your inadequacy? When our attitude is humble, it leads to harmony and love. Have you noticed that a family that's humble, they get, they get along together? Right? They do things for each other. Have you noticed that a family that's arrogant, it's all about them? A husband and a wife that are arrogant, do you notice that they don't make time for each other? That they want to they talk about themselves? Have you noticed when there's a humble uh, relationship that they say, babe, what do you want to do? What can I do for you? How can I help you? Jesus paves a way to a life of humility. And humility leads us to embrace God's perspective as well as embracing the attitude of Christ. Paul, again, writing to the Philippians, he said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. When's the last time that we, we really embrace this? This is a cross perspective right here. Don't look uh, out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, at the cross of our Lord Jesus, everyone is equal. At the cross of our, of our Lord Jesus, there is no spiritual elite. There is no intellectual elite. Everyone is recognized as important because Jesus died for every person. Can I tell you that Jesus died for the heterosexual just like he died for the homosexual? Can I tell you that he died for the Jew just like he died for the Gentile? He died for the affluent and he died for the poor. He died for those that have to lock their gates and he died for those that have no gates. He died for those that are brown. He died for those that are white. He died for those that are yellow. 
He died for those that are black. I had a guy pull, pull around yesterday. I was work, doing some work outside, and this guy comes down the street kind of fast and pulls around, and he comes up, and he rolls down the window, and he says to me, he says, Hablas um, Español? Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, poquito. Talk a little bit. You talk Spanish. And he said, oh, I've been looking for someone that talks talk Spanish. He started talking to me, and, and as he was talking, he says, well, I'm, 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 a, uh, I'm, I'm Italian, soy Italiano, but I speak Spanish. And I was like, okay. And then he ended up, say, you know, in his, his dialogue, he said, and I have these cartons of, of perfume and, and uh, cologne if you want to buy some. No hablo español. He was a con artist. There's no doubt about it. But here's the thing. Jesus died for him too. And the attitude that we have, the the, the humility that the cross brings into our lives, right? Uh, God's attitude toward us is not determined by the price of the cross on your neck or the cross on your bracelet, it's determined by the cross, or, or it's not determined by the cross in your worship center. It's funny because this is, this is I'm not bragging, I'm just gonna have to say the story, okay? We pull up to the, to the church, and out of nowhere, uh, our grandson Stephen says, Grandpa, why are there so many crosses at the church? He saw the cross up on top, and he saw the cross that's on our student center. This is from his own mouth why are there so many crosses on, at the church? And I said, because we love Jesus. But the most important thing is to have the cross in our heart. Amen? Our attitude, or, 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 or our, God's attitude toward us is not determined by the cross in your worship center. God, God's attitude toward us is determined by the person who hung on the cross at Calvary. It's an attitude of love and hope, grace and truth, mercy and compassion. You see, our attitude changes at the cross because it's there that you die to the expectations and the disappointments of this present life. Paul echoed this when he wrote, In the cross of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. How many of you know that there are things in our life that need to die? And most of these things that need to die in our lives have a way of affecting our attitude negatively. You would solve the majority of your problems with a change of attitude. Being selfish is an attitude problem. Trying to impress others is an attitude problem. Looking out for your own interests instead of the interests of others is an attitude problem. And if Jesus, being God, could humble himself and become a man, why can't I, being a man, or you, being a man or a woman, humble yourself and take on the attitude of your Savior and your Lord? You see, the cross is what makes it possible. The cross 
is what changes our perspective and our attitude. You can wear all the crosses in the world. You could have 100 crosses on your body. You could be tatted up. You can have all the crosses. But if you're not looking through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ, it's for naught. Your perspective has to change, and it only changes through Jesus Christ himself. Your attitude has to change, and it'll never change without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And can I tell you, God has your best interest at hand. Can I tell you that? God has your best interest at hand. When he sent his son to die on the cross, he said, I love you. Every one of you. Every one of us. Can you bow your head? Maybe you're here today and this message has spoken to your heart. You may be struggling with perspective. You just don't get what's going on in your life. Can I tell you that the cross of Jesus is the way you get it? You may be here and you've been struggling with your attitude. And embracing the cross of Jesus is an attitude adjuster. You see, your heart needs to be changed before you'll ever be able to change your actions and your emotions. And God brought you here today because he loves you. God allowed for you to come to wake up this morning because he loves you. And he wants to fill you with grace. He wants to fill you with compassion. He wants you to fill you with love. He doesn't want for you to leave here without the opportunity to open your heart to the Savior of your soul. When you open up your heart, you become born again. He, he changes your nature. He, he gives his nature to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you and with you. He doesn't want for you to leave here without that opportunity. And so if you're here today and you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, not to become religious, not to become some super smart person, but to have a Savior that is the wisdom of God. That is the full payment for everything that we've done. I'd love for you to pray a prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. Just repeat this softly as I pray. God, I'm a needy person. I need for you to come into my life. Lord God, give me a new perspective. Give me the perspective of the cross of Jesus. Let me see things through your love and let me see things through your grace. Lord, give me a, 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 an attitude a change in my heart. In fact, Lord, I open up my heart right now to Jesus. And as he humbled himself and became a man and came to this earth, and not only came to the earth and did miracles and all these wonderful things, Lord, he went to the cross and he died for me. So today, I'm bending my attitude and I'm humbling myself and saying, I need a Savior. And I open up my heart to you, Jesus. I open up my heart. Come into my life and take over. You deserve the throne in my life. That's not mine to sit on. Lord, I pray that as, as I make you Lord and Savior, that you will fill me. Fill me with your peace Fill me with your love. And, and even as I pray this prayer, beloved, I just want, 
If this is you, just raise your hand because I just believe God wants to pour his, his love and his grace. Yeah, I see that. Yes, yeah, sister, I see that hand. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I see your hands. See, this is not about religion. This is about a relationship that you have with Jesus. We, we, we just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's like a marriage where you actually say, I do. And these three people that said, I do to Jesus today, they're in this lifelong relationship with him. So, Father, we seal this. We seal the acceptance of Jesus as their Savior. We seal it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray your blessing upon the individuals that have said yes to Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God has so much good for us. He's got so much good for us. He's got so much potential for us. And you find that potential through the cross and in the cross. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.